Hey, thanks for listening to the Daily Walk podcast. Just want to remind you that if you have any questions, any thoughts, any comments, or any prayer requests, you can go online to the Boulder Church website, which is at boulder.church. Send them along. We'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, look after each other and live love. Good morning. It is Wednesday, July 10. Welcome to Daily Walk. I am Becky de Oliveira. And I'm Jafet de Oliveira, and it is absolutely the middle of the week, which is always fantastic. So I'm excited about that. I love Wednesdays. And, uh, and so let me pray for today. Heavenly Father, bless today. Bless us as we read this passage one more time. And uh, we ask for your wisdom and your grace and understanding as we consider it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm reading Genesis chapter 41, verses 41 through 49 in the complete Jewish Bible, the CJB today. Pharaoh said to Yosef, Here, I place you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and placed it on Yosef's hand, had him clothed in fine linen with a gold chain around his neck, and had him ride in his second best chariot. And they cried before him, Bow down. Thus he placed him in charge of the whole of Egypt. Pharaoh said to Yosef, I, Pharaoh, decree that without your approval, no one is to raise his hand or his foot in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh called Yosef by the name Zaphnat Paniak and gave him as his wife Osnat, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. Then Yosef went out through all the land of Egypt. Yosef was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Then he left Pharaoh's presence and traveled through all the land of Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the earth brought forth heaps of produce. He collected all the food of these seven years in the land of Egypt and stored it in the cities. The food grown in the fields outside each city he stored in that city. Yosef stored grain in quantities like the sand on the seashore, so much that they stopped counting because it was beyond measure. Mm. All right, so here's our question for today. Uh, Lord Acton said... Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Great men are almost always bad. Now, if this is true, how was Joseph able to avoid corruption? Hmm. Well, there is the word tends in the quote that tends to corrupt. So that would mean, I mean, with anything, there's always the rule, the exception. The exception, so it's just an exception. Or is that we just missing all the passages where he was corrupt? I mean, he might have been corrupt and it wasn't included and he was in the like story. just like a gangster. Well, <laughs> stories in the Bible, like stories anywhere, have selective details. They do. In them. So if the story is trying There's to show us that Joseph's a great guy, it's not going to include instances where he's corrupt, like the aforementioned if he was stockpiling grain and selling it to starving people at elevated prices. That is a corrupt thing to do. So the question is, does the Bible have a, a track record of doing that kind of stuff with characters? Doing what kind of stuff? Uh, painting a picture that's kind of like a, you know bleak on one side or happy on the other side. Yes, or all writers do that. Anybody who's writing includes or excludes details in order to A create. writer does. Does the Bible do that? The Bible is written by people who wrote. So uh, yes, they're writers. Mm, well, no, it's different. The Bible's inspired by God who's sure. written by people. But so it I doesn't include absolutely different. everything. In fact, it's incredibly sketchy with what it does include. It is very undetailed. So it yes. leaves out more and than so, it tells. And so with the stories, does it have a tendency, like I said at the beginning, to kind of like hide things? I've already answered the question a no, couple you, of times. You, no, you said, you said I've answered all writers my, do. You want me to, and then I said, yes, specifically, the Bible does this as well. It includes, I mean, I, I think, think you've I even think, said this. You and other pastors that I've heard talk will talk about the different 
gospels and what they're specifically intending to do. Yes. That they so that means and in any time you write something you have an intention. What yes. is it that you're trying to show? Yeah. So the gospel of John for instance, John is trying to show what about Jesus? I don't remember what the different four. There's a different slant for each guy. one. Whatever. <laughs> right. So other ones they're focusing on the miracles or they're yeah. focusing so this there's also a focus. Yeah. There's a, a need to show Joseph to be a certain kind of person. That might include leaving out things. I mean, See, definitely I includes had, leaving out that, things. We just don't know what those things about are. Is that the, the Bible for me has actually been kind of very candid about lots of characters and showing stuff that's actually very difficult. And, I, I don't. And I'm not saying that. that. I'm just saying it doesn't include everything. No oh, story includes everything. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. So therefore, uh, if they're showing this particular side of, of Daniel or this particular side of Joseph, then and these two characters are considered to be these two two great leaders who were pulled into an empire, into a civilization, not by their choice, and rose to second in command of the empire. Uh, there must be something inside the leadership qualities that kept them sane or kept them steady, and they yet were able to stay faithful to God through the midst. So being, living in, you know, being a citizen, which is actually what this series is all about, mm-hmm. you know, being a citizen in the world and, and belonging to the world, and at the same time being faithful to God is the tension. And I think that sometimes what we do is we, we tend to either throw everything away and just say, I was just talking to this young guy who was telling me that um, his parents would like him to work in an Adventist company. Um, and, uh, and so he was just, he's saying, well, right now he's been pulled to uh, a track that may take him somewhere else. And they're worried that he's going to be in a place where he will compromise himself. And he has a friend that actually compromised himself and actually gave up on keeping Sabbath and, and celebrating the Sabbath and, and be faithful, uh, to follow God in that. And so he's just wrestling through, uh, what is the path? That he should take, right? Uh, and how do you how do you follow what you are created to do and 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 really capable of doing, and at the same time being faithful to God? That's what I kind of like about this story. I like that uh, he has risen all the way to second in the empire and a foreign empire as a slave, uh, pulled through, and amazing things happening. Yet there's something about him in the story, and obviously we're only seeing some passages that we read in Daily Walk, but there's more. I don't understand that impulse to avoid any situation that might corrupt or lead you away from something. I think that proves nothing. Like if you're, okay, fine, you put yourself in a situation where you never can be corrupted by anything because you never encounter anything that could corrupt you. So what does that prove? And then conversely, suppose you did go out into, you know, quote, the world and you were corrupted well, in there, some way. There are degrees of it, right? I'll, again, so what? That. I think that you you can learn things from those things and from being even in a situation that may corrupt you, you may be able to do some good through that and you may learn something that actually enables you to do good later on. So this I, fear that we have of being tainted, I don't I don't understand no, that. I don't think there's such a thing I as think, being tainted. I think that you're right that we can learn through everything that we go through, but I think that we should be wise about where we place ourselves. I think we should place ourselves in situations where we think we can do good, not where we think we can avoid corruption. Yeah. I, I, that's the part I don't understand, is that that well, young man, his parents are not worried. They're not saying to him, go where you think that you can be the most effective to the world. They're saying, go where you'll continue to keep the Sabbath. And that just feels like, why would that be the emphasis? Why not figure you can do that anywhere? Go where you're needed. Why is that a bad go value where you can do for something. Them. It just isn't the most important value. Well, for them it is. And so I, I think that that's actually really important, right? And so I understand that for them it is. And to me, I'm saying it doesn't make any sense to not think about um, 
more about where mm-hmm. you can do good than what's going to corrupt you. It's worrying more about you mm. and looking inward rather if than thinking, what are you put here it. to do? What it if, just feels, I, I don't understand What do you say that there are that? degrees, though, of, uh, of risk? And so, of course. And so there are some environments that you should avoid and some that you shouldn't. So who decides which environments you should avoid? Well, Depends I think on you do, not your parents, de- I mean, for one thing. but Sure, yeah. but the person has to get counsel. And if they're talking to their parents, that's fantastic uh, because they're getting counsel from their parents, right? Sure. So there are, there are degrees of, of, of risk that they're taking. And within those degrees of risk, how do you determine which ones are valuable or risk-worthy or not? Is it on the parents' values or your values? Well, I, I just, I don't know. I just don't, like I'm saying, I think it's the wrong question. If what we're talking about is corruption, if what we're talking about is the risk of like dying within the next 24 hours if you take a job or something like that, that might be something where you think that's not a risk yeah. I'm willing to take. See, I think but the risk that you might meet somebody who has a different value system than you do and they might cause you to question the way that you've been raised, I don't think that's much of a risk. I think you should be able to, as an adult, handle that risk. And if you can't, then there's an issue with the way that I you've agree. been raised. I, I think you're absolutely right about that. I think people people need to be able to be established. I mean, that's not a risk. That's just like, oh, wow, somebody might yeah. do something that I'm not used to seeing. Yeah. Or, no, you're right about that. And I think that's actually very true about being confident about what you believe and, and knowing that for sure. Absolutely. Let me uh, repeat that. Well, time's up. Let me repeat the question one more time then for today, which is this. Lord Acton said, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Great men are almost always bad. If this is true, how was Joseph able to avoid corruption? Think about that, look after each other, and live love. Thanks for your support for the Daily Walk podcast. Wherever you are in the world, we just want to let you know that we're praying for you, and we're glad that you're praying for us too. If you can help us out by giving online, then please go to boulder.church forward slash give and help this ministry actually make an effect on others as well. Keep us in your prayers, look after each other, and live love. Mm-hmm.